Is Cade Cunningham the rookie of the year right now? He has some tough battles right now with Evan Mobley among other rookies, but is he at the top? Also, we had a big article come out. Killian Hayes, topic of controversy right now. And then also Kelly Olenek returned from his injury. He looked really good. What does that say moving forward about him potentially in the starting lineup? We'll talk about that and all those other things in today's episode of the Lockdown Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Lockdown Pistons podcast. Per usual, I am your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. And also, we are over on YouTube. If you haven't went over there already, hit that subscribe button over there at Lockdown Pistons. It's the best way to support the podcast. I'd really appreciate it. Um, and honestly, I can't blame you guys. You guys didn't make Lockdown Pistons your first listen of today because, like I told you guys, if this is you guys' first listen of this week, um, this week's schedule is all kind of messed up because the Pistons are playing late, late games. I can't get the podcast up in the morning. So a lot of these podcasts are going to be later in the afternoon. This one is going to be really late. I'm going to be publishing this one around 10 o'clock p.m. on the 20th. Uh, so like I said, I'm assuming you guys are probably going to listen to Thursdays, Friday morning, Friday, Friday Saturdays morning. Uh, but I do want to apologize for that inconvenience. We'll be going right back to our normal schedule once the Pistons get back from the West Coast. But uh, yeah, I'm not going to be staying up till one o'clock in the morning, record a podcast and edit post and be going to sleep at two when I work at eight. Like that's not, it's just not going to happen. Uh, I'm sorry for you guys. But like I said, next week we return back to normal. I'm sorry for the inconvenience right now, but we got a lot of things to talk about today. So the Pistons just came off a win against the Sacramento Kings in which Kelly Olenek made his return and played really well. Uh, he closed the game for the Pistons. We'll talk about him. We also have Kay Cunningham, who was interviewed by, I believe it was Bleacher Report, or uh, it was one of the bigger name places. I'll figure it out while we're talking about this. Uh, but he was asked, does he feel like he's Rookie of the Year? He said, I feel like I am the best rookie. And then also, there's another article from Detroit Bad Boys circulating all around the Pistons community about Killian Hayes. We'll talk about that all on today's episode. But first, let me tell you guys, we got the friend of the podcast to join us to talk about all these wonderful things about the Detroit Pistons. We got Hal. Hal, how you doing, man? Thank you for coming on. I'm back. Uh, it feels great to be back. I'm slowly catching up. Uh, I'm not counting or anything because it's a go. Well, I'm glad I, to be back. Well, if you guys are watching this on YouTube, I know it says at Hal Bridius, but if, if you don't already follow Hal on Twitter, Hal happened to get into a little running with the NBA refs. On Twitter and, got, <laughs> and got his Twitter account banned for the minute or suspended. Just, just air my laundry. <laughs> suspended for a second because Hal, Hal went a little too far with the refs, apparently. <laughs> but, I don't think you, you should get banned for yelling at a brand. That's fair. You guys can still go follow him over there, but you also, Hal, let them know where they can find your other account that you're currently using right now. I, I don't I don't know it. <laughs> I, I think it's, it, what is it? Hal's Vids? Hal's Vids, I think. I'm going to end yeah, up doing all the it. game threads I normally do on there. So if people follow me for uh, the game threads I do every game, they'll end up on Hal's vids from now on just to try and keep it separate because I do a lot of uh, uh, like soccer stuff and whatever on my main account. So I think it'll be good just to split them up moving forward. But we, they don't need to know about that. Fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. Just, let's just hope Hal doesn't get that other one suspended because they need to be all out of luck. Uh, but let's go ahead and get into Kay Cunningham first. So how Cade came out today in the interview, 
He said he feels like he is the best rookie in this draft. He feels like he should be rookie of the year by the end of the year. Uh, he acknowledges he's had some ups and downs, but he did say, I feel like I am the best rookie. So we're going to obviously post the question, do we believe Kay Cunningham is the rookie of the year right now? However, before we get into that, I actually think that what Cade said is different than saying he's the rookie of the year. I think Cade is making the claim he is the best rookie and he's the best player right now, but I don't know if that will always translate to rookie of the year. Like we've talked about this in the podcast many of times, his early struggles, especially efficiency wise, uh, will weigh down his season averages. Like he shot so much and shot so poorly earlier on. Like if you just exclude his first like six games, like his percentages go way up. Like that's how bad it was the first like six games or so. And we've all talked about like for the last two weeks, I think that his like how well he's played over the last month, month and a half, what his numbers look like. Uh, but his his season average will not reflect how well he's played uh, after his first like what was a two and a half week struggle when he was trying to you know get get used to the NBA. So I just want to point that out. I feel like what he's saying may be different than saying he's rookie of the year. And you know I, I just want to keep that in mind. But anyways. We're going to ask the question anyways, Hal. Hal, do you think that Kay Cunningham is the rookie of the year right now? And do you think he will? If you don't, do you think he will be by the end of the year? Right now, I think it's definitely no. uh, Mostly because of the things you pointed out, right? He started his career uh, with the ankle injury and went like one for 28 from three or something like that. I don't remember the exact number. But like he's currently shooting, I pulled it up here, 33%-ish from three. He's actually shot closer to like percent since that like early start calls the numbers down. That's just what it is. And he's had some like really bad turnover games. He's doing, he's really struggling on back to backs. Like he's had some ups and ups and downs and there's a couple of guys. I, I think he's probably passed Franz Wagner for me uh, and probably past Scotty Barnes, but for me, it's still Evan Mobley. Uh, I think Mobley has been pretty awesome right from the start. And I mean, the thing that just stands out, the Cavs right now are number three in defensive rating. They were number 25 last year. And somehow they're number three while having Lowry Markkinen as they're like starting small forward. Like it's, it's insane what he's been able to do for that team defensively. So uh, I think, I think he'd be a pretty deserving winner right now. It wouldn't surprise me if that's still the case at the end, but we've definitely seen Cade come on stronger, like really leap into second place. I think he's, he's secured that for himself. Um, and now it's a, it's a, I mean, if he has, you know, 30 point games and stuff going down the stretch, I think he'll win it. But, um, for, for now, I think it's a, it's a tough road ahead given that Mobley's on a, a good team and having just a very visible impact on it. So as of right now, I agree with you. I think Evan Mobley is the rookie of the year as of right now. Uh, I do not believe he's the best rookie. I think Cade is the best rookie in the class. Uh, but I don't know if that will mean that Cade wins rookie of the year this year. Uh, like you, like we pointed out, he struggled mightily coming out the gates. But if you go over his last 20 games, which I feel like is much closer to what he actually is, he's shooting 44% from the field. Like you said, 40% from deep on 5.9 attempts. He's averaging 17.2 points a game, 5.4 assists, 4.5 rebounds, 1.3 steals. Uh, so he's playing extremely well over the past 20 games, much more closer to the number one overall pick guy and showing every, showing all the talent that he has, all the skill he has. But like you like like we've mentioned, his season averages are going to be weighed down from how badly he started, and that's going to hurt him. Along with the fact that Evan Mobley, like you mentioned, not only is he helping the Cavs defense, the Cavs what are they like? The sec- aren't they like second or third in the Eastern Conference? I believe they're like at towards the top of the. They're Eastern up Conference. there, yeah. I think third. Yeah, so they're going to be like they're they're going to be in the in the playoffs playing meaningful basketball. 
Uh, and that's going to help a lot. Right now, actually, where is it at? Right. Let me look at the standings. Uh, right now, they're they're sixth. I know last night. Yeah, last night they were like tied for third with the Nets. It's all like between a game, game and a half right now between uh, the Bucks and the where is it? Yeah, the Buck between the Bucks and the Hornets is like two games. That's from the fourth seed all the way down to like the seventh seed. So the Cavs are right there in the thick of things. They're playing really well. They're going to be playing meaningful basketball at the end of the year. So that's going to help Evan Mobley's case, especially because he has a big part to do with that. Uh, so I think that's going to make it tough for Cade to win Rookie of the Year. However, like I said, I do believe Cade is still the best rookie from the class. Uh, I think he'll be the best rookie from the class moving forward. And if he continues to play like this for the rest of the year and continues to play this well and continues to have, I feel like narrative could help him because there's a lot of people talking about him, a lot of uh, great players talking about him, a lot of coaches talking about him almost every day. seems like someone new saying something about him. So if he continues to play like this, the way he's been playing the rest of the year and he continues to get these shout-outs, continues to get this attention that he's been getting, I think he'll eventually win it. Uh, but th- we're a long way from there right now. And right now, I will be respectful to Evan Mobley and what he's done and say that I think he's probably the rookie of the year as of right now. And I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up winning it towards the end of the year because of all the things we've mentioned. Uh, not to, and Also, I want to give Evan Mobley some credit as well, mention his stats. I didn't even mention his stats right now. He's having 15 points a game, damn near eight rebounds a game, 2.6 assists, almost two blocks a game, shooting 51% from the floor. Uh, and he's not having the greatest – he's not shooting great from outside, but he's exhibiting some kind of – threat to be out there. He's shooting 29.6%, one and a half attempts from deep. Uh, overall, there's a really good player defensively making a big impact over there for Cleveland. So either one of these guys are deserving. There's a lot of other guys too. That's It's a really deep draft class, but I think these two guys have separated themselves from everyone else as of right now. I think it's going to be a two-man race going down the line. Uh, I was going to go to ad break now. Uh, Hal, do you want Do you want to say something else? or are you? Good? I, I did want to say, I just double-checked. Cade is currently leading all rookies in points per game. So that is kind of the, you know, I think Mobley's been like visibly so good on defense that people will ignore the fact that he's only third and it's actually 15.4 points to 15.0. So if if Cade breaks that up close to 20 points per game and is, you know, the solid um, scoring leader among rookies, that tends to be a pretty good projector of the award. And then the only other thing I'd say is, just because Evan Mobley is currently in the lead doesn't mean that the Pistons drafted the wrong guy. Doesn't mean that he's not like Cade is really, really good. I think we have, we've all seen that already. Uh, and I think Pistons fans should be totally happy with, with what they've got, even if he doesn't necessarily win the award right away. Yep. Completely agree with you. So when we come back, we'll talk about an article that's floating around right now, written by Detroit bad boys, editor Sean Corp uh, is about Killian Hayes and, Let's just say he took a very negative outlook on Killing Hayes, and I think a lot of you guys do as well. It, it's definitely a controversial topic, and we'll talk about what was said in this article and what I peeled away from it, and we'll get house thoughts on it as well when we come back. But first, I have to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, BetOnline AG. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all their amazing offers available for the 2022 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. So again, check out their new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, just use our promo code locked on. Yes, that's locked on to get started. 
foul line, where the game starts. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button. It's the best way to support the podcast. I'd really appreciate it. We've had so much support over there. I've had so much support in general for the podcast over the last like month or so. I really appreciate you guys. But let's go ahead and keep getting that number up over there on YouTube. I believe we just passed 1350 subscribers. We're trying to get to 2000 subscribers by like, I think, what was it? I said like March or April around then trying to get to 2000 subscribers. I think we could do it. So let's, Continues to show the support over there for the podcast. Show everybody we are the best fan base, fan base at the Lockdown Network. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, but, yeah, how? So, Killian Hayes, man, you know he's a controversial topic. Um, I know Boy, do I. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know you were one of the people who were very high on him from the get-go coming into the draft. You wanted the Pistons to draft him. They draft him. You and Lazarus Jackson, who also was another editor of Detroit Bad Boys. You guys were both the two of some of the guys I saw very early who were very high on Killian Hayes coming into the draft. Obviously, I, I think people have realized now I'm, I like Killian Hayes. At first, I was very low on him, but I've I've completely done a 180, which I, I think is kind of confusing to fans how, based on he's played so far, how I've done a complete 180 if I didn't like him at first. But – He's a very controversial topic, and we've talked about him a lot on the podcast. And there was an article that came out today, or on the 20th, whenever you guys are listening, if you guys end up squeezing in time to listen to it tonight, or if you guys listen to the next morning on the 21st. Uh, on the 20th, there was an article written by Sean Corp with the Detroit Bad Boys, and his title is, Killian Hayes is Bad. And, you know, I don't think, I don't think, we've talked about this on the podcast, I don't think anyone's denying whether he's good right now. And, I think the argument always comes from, is he always going to be this way? Is he going to develop to be something more? Do you believe in him to become a good player? And that's where the argument comes plays. And no one's going to know for like years from now. We're not going to find this out yet for a while. But it's going to be an argument that continues to be had and had and had. Now, Sean was my editor for a long time, for a while there. How's cool is Sean? This is not to go at Sean or anything. I don't want any listeners here who happen to agree with me about Killian Hayes to go over there and try to attack Sean or something. The article is really nice. It provides a lot of analysis. He provides his argument for why so, and you can't really like argue with anything he's saying. Killian Hayes is not a good basketball player right now. So the article was nice. I read it. I enjoyed it. Um, but there's something I actually, I, I said this, I, I kind of said this to Sean on Twitter, and this is where we're going to talk about it on uh, on the podcast. I feel like his article actually did Hal, and I, I know Hal didn't. I haven't told Hal yet where I'm going with this article. Uh, by the way, if you guys are watching this on YouTube, I will link the article down below so you guys can read it yourselves. Uh, if you're listening to this in the podcast again, it's over at Detroit Bad Boys. It's probably gonna be the first thing you guys see when you load up the website. Definitely go check it out and read along as you listen. Um, but I feel like the article actually did the opposite of what Sean was trying to say to us, and that's where I peeled away from this. Everyone's peeling. Thank you. You, you've described why Killian is, is so bad. Uh, he showed his shot chart, his his shooting uh, percentages, and uh, his shooting percentages compared to like 317 other players who have at least taken 30 field goals in the restricted area. Killian Hayes ranks 297th in the field goal percentage, like stuff like that. Among 237 players who have played more than 10 games on average, 20 minutes per contest, Killian Hayes ranks dead last in true shooting percentage. Of the 152 players who have at least 30 field goal attempts from mid-range, Killian Hayes ranked 148th in field goal percentage. So all these things describing what Killian Hayes is struggling with when it comes to scoring the basketball right now is all fact. However, if you scroll to the very bottom of the article, which, again, 
everything else he says to this point and how I, I am talking very long here, so I'm sorry, but we're going to give you a long time to, to respond. I, You're I good. About this. You're good. I had to set it up. I had to set it up. <laughs> I had to set it up. <laughs> but anyways, it's a long article. And for the large majority of it, it's talking about why Keelan Hayes is a bad player right now, which I don't think anyone is denying right now that he's not a very good basketball player right now or NBA player right now. However, like I said, once you get to the very bottom of it, that's where the real stuff hits. And that's why I feel like the actually what, what you're actually reading the article for, what, what you actually want matters comes. And at the end of the article, it's what is Hayes' path to a, uh, to a career? And in this part, he, uses a, he has a chart from Basketball Reference of six players. I'll, let me give you the description of this chart. Only, he says in his article, quote, only six players since 2010 have played at least 1,500 minutes in the first 59 games and struggled offensively like Hayes has. Go on. He says the list is interesting. And since 2010, here are the players who have played 1,500 minutes, shot 38% or worse from the field, 32% or worse from three in their first 59 games per basketball reference. I honestly, you know, you know what? We're going to do it. We're going to do it right now. We're going to bring this, for those of you guys watching on YouTube, we're going to bring this up on the screen right now. Let me go ahead. Give me just, let me, let me get this up on the screen for you guys. So you guys can see the chart that we're talking about here. I don't want to just be talking to the abyss. And also, this is right here, another reason why you could be watching this on YouTube. This You get like stuff like this. But we will describe it for you guys listening to the podcast, too. Again, how, I'm so sorry that I'm still talking right now. But it's like I said, I had to set it up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, on this chart, there's six NBA players. You have Killing Hayes. There's Lonzo Ball. Brandon Ingram. Emmanuel Mude, Alec- I don't even know who this guy is. I'm not going to lie. I said this on Twitter. I've never heard him before in my life. But Alexi Speed or Sped, I don't know if I'm saying this right. And Ricky Rubio. Now, there's six players right there. If you take Killian out, obviously his career hasn't been written yet. You don't know how he's going to turn out. So take Killian out. That's five players. You take out Alexi, who joined the NBA when he was 24 from overseas. He doesn't really count. He's like an old player who just came over from overseas. Kind of like, you know, I would compare him kind of to Gigi Detome, how he came over here. Uh, I don't know much about him at all, but while I was told, it sounds like GG Detome. Uh, but either way, that leaves you with four players. And of these four players who have ha- struggled like Killian Hayes has, you have Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Emmanuel Mude, and Ricky Rubio. All four of these guys are the only other players who have played or has shot as bad as Killian Hayes is through his first 59 games. Mind you, 59 games. Four players. Hal, before I give you the floor, I want to finish this off with this. Just answer this question. Of these four players, what would you say the percentage of these players turned out to be fine NBA players? We got four players. 75%. 75%. So 75% of the players who have played or shot as bad as Killian has through 59 games have panned out. I don't know about y'all, but I'll I'll take those odds. 75%? If that's the odds that we got right now that you're going to turn out to be a good player, 75%, I'll take it. I'll take it. I I think I the thing is I it's actually crazy to me because I, I feel like a lot of people read this article and were like, okay, see, killing's bad. This is all the reason why killing's bad. It'll never be good. But actually, if you get to the bottom of the article, it gives you a legitimate reason to believe that killing will be fine. 75% of the players who have struggled like killing has shooting from the field have turned out to be legitimate good NBA players. And this is the last thing I'll say, Hal. I'll give you the floor. I know I've talked for a very, very long time here. This is going to be a long second segment, everybody. I hope you enjoy it. Last thing I'll say is this. 
of the players on this list, Killian Hayes, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Emmanuel Mugier, Lexi Speed, and Ricky Rubio. Of the six players there, this is the point I made on Twitter. I'll make it on here. The ones who succeeded and the ones who ended up becoming good players are the ones who had other legitimate NBA skills to build off of them and help them stay on the floor and have people buy into them because they had other things that were legitimate NBA skills and helped and gave teams to a reason to invest in them and try to get them to a spot in other areas. Cause you can see if they can just get this part, right. They already have all this other stuff. They can be good players. You have that in Lonzo ball. You had that in brand Ingram, who is legit all-star. Now Lonzo ball who's contributing to one of the best teams in the NBA right now. You have that in Ricky Rubio, who was contributing to one of the best teams in the Eastern conference in Cleveland Cavaliers before he tore his ACL. You have that. Emmanuel Mude didn't have that. He busted. Speed, I, I again, I don't even know if I'm saying his right, name right, but he he doesn't even count here. He's just it just doesn't count. So he's gone, and now that leaves you with Killing Hayes. So let me go ahead and stop sharing the screen. I'll throw it to you now, Hal. I'm not. This is going to be a rhetorical question. Does Killing Hayes have other have other skills outside of scoring that are legitimate NBA skills already? Yes. It was rhetorical, uh, for, Hal. You're to leave for, it alone. For, first of all, I just go ahead. Alexi Shved, okay? There you Shved. go. There you go. Shved. There you go. You have the floor He had now, a very, Hal. very lucrative career overseas. He's doing fine. There you go. But go ahead. And, you, can, you can go ahead with that now. Go ahead. Well, so I think another uh, example that was brought up on Twitter to me was Spencer Dinwiddie, right? Another guy who uh, the reason he doesn't make uh, Sean's list there is that he didn't even play 59 games or whatever the cutoff was. Uh, he played uh, He may have played 59 games, but not, but not uh, right, 100 right. minutes. He, he played 46 in Detroit. And then after that, um, you know, he, he was in the G League for a while, and then he goes to the Nets after figuring things out, and he recovered enough to, to save himself from being on that list. But, you know, while he was in Detroit, he was shooting 30 uh, – let me get the stats right here. 31% from the field. He shot uh, 17% from three, right? A guy coming back from an injury on a team that really didn't know how they wanted to use him. A coach that was maybe a little too stubborn. He didn't play well. And he goes to the G League. He gets cut from the Bulls. He comes back. And, you know, he's on a team that's that's built a little better for him on the nets, a little more willing to give him freedom. And, you know, he goes crazy. Lonzo Ball. Similar thing, right? He's in, in L.A. He's a good defender. People like like that about him. Everybody knows he's a good passer, but he's got this broken shot. Doesn't work. Uh, because of how broken it is, uh, he was actually a better ball handler than I think anybody else on the list, but like he couldn't pick the ball up into a shot. Just broken. Goes to New Orleans. They spend a year fixing the shot. Now he's one of the better shooters in the NBA when it comes to just percentages. You know, each of these guys had to undergo you know, this learning process and they had to fix these skills and that takes time. And something I really, really want to bring up with, with Killian and with a lot of these guys, because we're going to see it in the upcoming draft as well. COVID took a whole lot of the time away from these guys. Not only did Killian get hurt, but remember his first off season, he doesn't get a real off season because of COVID, right? We didn't get to see him in uh in his uh summer league right we didn't get that the, there's all these steps that are getting skipped because of that so it's not crazy to have guys take a little longer to come around but 
with that, we're already seeing uh, a guy whose defense is improving, a guy who I think is improving in how he's operating in the pick and roll. He's figuring his spaces out. Uh, and we like we did see the shot has changed. Now, it's not more efficient, but like if you go watch the film from the last couple of uh, years, from Europe to last year to now, you'll see his feet, you know, he's playing differently. This is a process. He's got to get through it. But I think we still have plenty of positives for, uh, you know, to, to say, hey, actually, there is incremental progress being made. And also, by the way, he's staying on the floor because he is playing defense, because he is a good transition player. And he is, you know, just the the it's it's very visible when he and Cade play together, how much like more connective the team is. Just the ball moves better. Um so because of that, he can stick around and you know, maybe we need to do a better job of of getting him in, in better places. Maybe there are some lineups he can play with that are gonna be more successful than others. Um but I I don't think you have to be scared of what he's doing now. And you certainly don't have to just cut bait because it's not, you know, the, the offense isn't there. Uh, I say it all the time, but you just have to imagine what happens if the shot comes around. Just if, if you assume he's a 38% three-point shooter, all of a sudden you're like, oh, does it matter that Cade's handling the ball? Find the corners. If he's a 38% shooter and he's able to pull up, you know, off the dribble a little bit, his pick and rolls are going to look completely different, right? Because people are going to have to respect him totally differently. If that transitions into him having, you know, a little bit more stable mid-range shooting, that's going to look better too, right? All these things are just going to explode for him as soon as he fixes a couple of minor flaws. And if he fixes those, we're going to go from, oh my God, Killian can't play in the NBA to, wow, actually that's a guy I really want starting on my team. And, you know, people just have to ask themselves, if they're not willing to let that develop, you know, and, and give it real time, what are they willing to let develop? What else are you going to do with <laughs> with your your tanking year? So uh, I, I, you know, I'm, a, I'm a, a fan. You said it yourself. I was I was pretty high on him before the draft. And so I've never really been, you know, that worried about his production. I've been concerned about the usage, but I'm uh, I'm, I'm still ready to, to let this, you know, just continue to grow. And, and if we get to, you know, the uh, the summer of twenty three or whatever his third year is, and we're looking at do we extend him, etc. You know, you you have to start asking questions. Then there's no reason really to ask questions now. You just put him in good positions and and see what happens. So I will say this to you guys: I think that was the longest segment we've ever had on this show. It lasted sixteen minutes, and we have to go to ad break after this and talk about Kelly Olynyk. So it's going to be a longer episode. But I think that segment was amazing. I, again, I'm going to link the article below for the YouTube guys, but if you listen on the podcast, please go read the article. Uh, I want to say this before we end it. Just want to wrap this up with this. Kalen Hayes may bust. He may not be a great player. He may not be a good He may just end up at the NBA. He may become a really good player. We don't know right now. And in this chart, I really, what I really love about this is that a lot of you guys, I've had a lot of you guys say this to me. No one else struggles like this. No one else has looked this bad and turned it around. That's just completely false. I've said this to you guys. And again, here are some names. Let me say these names again, and then we'll go to the ad break. You guys think Lonzo Ball's a pretty damn good player? You want to know what the difference between Lonzo and Killian why Lonzo was given more time? Because Lonzo had a loud family and was very liked, was very good personality, so he was given more time. And he was in L.A., so people liked him. So he was given more time and investment. 
That's the difference between Lonzo and Killian Hayes. Brandon Ingram. Oh, he was the next KD. He's playing in LA. He was given time because everyone wanted to see him become the next KD. Ricky Rubio. He was given time because the Timberwolves just straight up stunk anyways, and they have nothing else to do, so they just gave him all the time in the world. I've said this before. The worst thing that have happened to Killian Hayes not the Pistons, the Killian Hayes, honestly, could be the fact that Cade was drafted because now everyone wants to speed stuff up, and now he's more of an afterthought. All these other players as well, they ended up going to, like, their third, second team before they really turned it up. So I wouldn't be surprised. I've said this in the podcast before. I wouldn't be surprised if Killian doesn't find this out on the Pistons, and he ends up finding it somewhere else. But overall point is 75% accuracy with this. I'll take it. I'll take my odds. When we come back, we'll talk about Kelly Linick and his play. In the starting lineup, should he be starting uh, that whole little scenario? Again, sorry for the long segment, but it is what it is. I'm probably going to get killed by my by my producers, my 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 bosses. I'm so sorry, everybody, but it is what it is. Let me tell you guys a little bit about one of our sponsors. Welcome back, everybody. So again, I want. I don't think I should apologize for that last segment. I feel like that last segment was really good. Like it was the longest segment we've ever had. But to be honest, if you guys listen to the podcast, usually what happens here is we stay on time with the first segment, we stay on time with the second segment, and then the third segment just dries, and just the third segment just goes on for like twenty minutes. So instead of the third segment this time, it's the second segment. This way, we switched it up a little bit. Uh, I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Business your first listen of every single day. Free and available on all your podcast platforms. And also check us out on YouTube if you haven't already. Best way to support the podcast, hit that subscribe button. I'd really appreciate it. All right, Hal, I talked a lot on this podcast. And you guys, I've talked a lot. And I don't know if I've even talked this much on solo podcasts, to be honest. Uh, but <laughs> Kelly Olenek made his return in the win against the Sacramento Kings. We'll, we'll try to keep this segment shorter. Just overall thoughts. Should the Pistons consider starting Kelly Olenek when he gets back to full strength conditioning-wise? Uh what are your thoughts about the Stu, Stu and Kelly uh, dynamic? Uh, should, should they be running uh, Kelly Olenek more with that starting lineup at least or with their backcourt guards? Is Stu really hurting the backcourt guards and, the, and Sadiq Bey in the starting lineup? Just your overall thoughts on the entire center situation, basically, uh, now that Kelly Olenek is back and just had a really good game for the Pistons, going 22 points the first game back. Well, even, even when he's not, at his best, you can see the different way that teams respect him, right? His He has shooting gravity, right? And uh, I've said this many times, but gravity isn't about your percentages, right? It's about how the defense treats you. You can be, you know, like uh, like a Luka Doncic, right? Is not a, an objectively good three-point shooter by the metrics, but everyone respects him and what he does with the ball. So he still draws help. And you can see just the way uh, there was a, a play, I think, early – um, in that in that game where Kelly comes down, Hamadou's got the ball, and he just ghost screens past Hamadou and, and kind of cuts into the corner. Uh, he doesn't even set a screen, right? He just cuts past Hamadou. But two people look at Kelly, and that's all Hami needs to to get to the rim. And that that kind of respect just opens up new options. Uh, the you know the connective passing, good passer. He passes on the short roll. He passes out very well. Um, you know, he's, a, he's an experienced player, right? He knows what to do. Uh, he's got enough skills to make you pay if you make mistakes. And really, when it comes to him and Stuart, he gives you options, right? You, the team didn't have options. They were playing Trey Lyles at the five. Uh, and Trey Lyles probably did a better job than he than he could have been expected to do there. But, like, that's not what he was supposed to be doing. <laughs> that wasn't a good 
a good plan to have. So he gives you options. And personally, I would like to see him in the starting lineup. Um, I've said before, right now you're like the 30th team on offense and defense. This team is is really bad. And I don't know if the last couple of games have helped that or not. But the uh, the thing I say is like, we don't have a defensive identity. I'm not sure they can get one. Can we at least try and form an offensive identity? If that's a five out pick and pop team, fine. Pick Pick something that they can do you know, consistently night to night, establish that. Uh, I think that'll help Killian. That'll help Cade. You know, that'll help. Uh, we, we've had turnover issues with stuff uh, because guys aren't always really sure what they want to be doing. Um, so just, I think bringing Killian, giving him more minutes with the starters, that that's really going to help that. All right. So before I go, do you start Kelly Olenek when he gets back to full strength? Do you bench Stu and bring him off the bench? If it was yeah. you. I would. Okay. All right. So I saved this for the last segment because I'm not stupid. I know it, just maybe, just possibly the, the listenership drops a little bit towards the end of a podcast. I'm not stupid out here. You guys are dealing with a very smart man here. And I know I've talked about Isaiah Stewart a lot the last few podcasts. I don't want to come off as a complete hater and someone that's just like spewing pure hatred for Isaiah Stewart. Because that's not the Not case. stupid. Just scared, huh? Just, <laughs> just a little scared. <laughs> scared would be a better word that's fair a little a little i would you know what the best word i would use is aware i'm i'm aware of i'm self-aware <laughs> that's the that's the word i'd use um but i, I for real i didn't want to come off as like just pure hatred for Stu. i know i've talked about Stu a lot i, I literally want to make people understand this i do like Stu. i think Stu will be a, a high quality backup big in the nba for a while i think that's his role i don't think anything's wrong with that however i'm gonna bring this number up again could I seriously just need everyone to have this number like tied into their brain so they know what like I'm not joking here. And you know, I had some people point out to me a few days ago on Twitter and say, Are you just doing this because of Killian Hayes? You just want Killian Hayes to have a good pick and roll person. No, well, I'd like the offense to look like an offense. I'd like to have five people out there who are capable of do something. And right now, this is a matter of fact, Stu doesn't bring anything offensively. See, the thing is, and we've said this in the podcast before. The difference between Killian and Stu is that Killian is not actively sabotaging your offense. You can say Killian doesn't have great skills right now offensively. You can say he doesn't shoot the ball well right now offensively. But either way, he's a good passer. He's a great – he has high IQ. He knows how to get guys uh, past an open guy. He's going to keep the ball moving. He's not going to actively sabotage your offense because of the, his limitations as a shooter. Isaiah Stewart is a – his on-off difference – of offensive rating minus 8.9. That is the worst on any of any player in the rotation on the Pistons by more than two points. The next worst is Jeremy Grant at minus 6.7. Again, minus 8.9. And I said this on podcast, I believe it was two podcasts ago. Really, I don't even look at it as a minus 8.9. I look at it as damn near a 19 point swing. Because if you go up and look at Trey Lyles, Trey Lyles is at plus eight. So as soon as Trey Lyles comes on, it literally sw- it, 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 it completely swings. So it's 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 awful. It's very bad. Again, I, I mean, I, I know I sound very loud right now. I'm very passionate about it. I'm not trying to say Isaiah Stewart sucks or that Trey Lyles is better than Isaiah Stewart. It's just a matter of he just doesn't fit with the starting lineup. He hurts. He's actively, I feel like the difference here, I guess I, this is the best way to say it. I think Isaiah Stewart in the starting lineup is actually hurting other players' development in the starting lineup. Like, that's the core reason. It's not to try to win more games. I don't want Kelly in the lineup 
to win more games or something. That's not the purpose. It's to develop guys in the tanking season. I feel like Isaiah Stewart is actively hurting that as a starting center. And I think it's honestly hurting himself as well. Starting him as a center is honestly like not doing him justice. It's kind of doing him a disservice because he's just not there yet. He's struggling. He's not as skilled as the other big guy. And he can't really use his energy and just pure hustle and all those kind of things against other starting caliber centers because that just isn't going to work. They're better than you can't. And they also try hard. Coming off the bench, you can surprise people with your energy and, and how hard you play. And you can better take or uh, use his skill set. And I think, like you mentioned, Hal, there was a play I wanted to point out from the Kings game. It was, a, I believe it was Sadiq Bey over on the right wing. He did a pick and roll with Kelly Olenek. Kelly Olenek kind of rolled, but then he kind of did what you said. He snaked back to the corner, kind of just snuck back to the corner. And it wasn't it wasn't a huge difference. It wasn't like two guys ran over to Kelly Olenek. But the, the drop guy that was guarding Kelly Olenek immediately ran over to Kelly, Kelly Olenek, and it opened up a free drive for Sadiq Bey because his defender was more sized up trying to push him towards to the drop man. And it opened up a wide-open driving lane, and Sadiq was able to get a layup. I believe it was Sadiq. It might have been Cade. Either or. That's the kind of thing that happens with Kelly Olenek because he's respected as an offensive player, as an offensive shooter. He's able to gain respect and have any type of gravity and bring something to the offense that Stu just isn't able to do right now. It hurts the rest of the players. I Again, I'll make it known very clear. I've said it multiple times. I think once Kelly Olenek gets back to full strength conditioning-wise, you have to start him. Again, not because Isaiah Stewart's awful, not because he's a bad player, not because he's a bust or something, because it would be better for the starting lineup. It would be better for Killian. It would be better for Cade. It would be better for Sadiq. It would be better for Hamdou Diallo. And it also would be better for Isaiah Stewart to come off the bench. He would look so much better. He would be able to play his game. He'd be able to do the things he does well and look much better on the court. It helps everybody. It's not just about one player or about to try to win games. It's about trying to help guys develop and be put in the best situations to succeed, I think that's the best way to do it. Uh, Hal, we're at 38 minutes. Um, if you want to have some final <laughs> thoughts on that, go ahead. I'm sorry I took uh, up so much time. I, I just want to say one thing to watch with Isaiah Stewart is when guys, uh, when he runs a pick and roll, when guys look for the pocket pass, look where Isaiah Stewart is. And he's always about two steps behind where he really should be to receive that pocket pass. And it's because he's he knows – He's not really great rolling to the rim. He doesn't really have the explosion at the rim. So he wants to be more of a pick and pop threat, but he's also not really confident in this shot right now. And he's kind of stuck in these two worlds. So I really hope that he just starts crashing more aggressively, rolling more aggressively, uh, getting into the lane for these pocket passes. Because you know what? He's not a great passer, but he actually does. Like when he's planning to pass, he actually makes some decent reads. And I would like to see him try and be a short roll guy. I'd like to see him just like get the ball, secure the ball in the see what happens when you get it. Because right now, the way he's playing, he often isn't even available, right? He's not, he's not available to do anything. And that's why it hurts the offense so much more than a non-shooter. Because like if they're cheating off Killian Hayes in the corner, he might have 10 feet of space to dribble into. And even him, even a guy who can't finish – people just kind of like inherently challenge that, right? They still come out and challenge you because they don't want to give up a free layup. So that still can manipulate the defense in a way that like if he's, if Stu is just kind of floating in the lane nowhere, he's, he's not, there's no advantage and there's no next step. At least if it's an open, you know, shooter like Hamadou, there's a next step, which is that Hamadou is going to drive and just try and make something. And that's, Stu just needs to find a way to make himself available for, a next step just keep connecting and that's where like kelly olenic again 
Kelly's not the craziest athlete. He's not always going to be a guy that just like throws down lobs and stuff either, but he's really smart. His positioning's better than Stu's. And because of that, he's a much better connective passer that just keeps things moving and gets you into your second or third option. And that's really what this is about is trying to make sure that we get something, you know, get an option to keep moving. All right. Fair enough. Thank you, Hal, for coming on the podcast. I know I had you Absolutely. on and then I, and then I didn't even let you talk that much. That second segment, I, did, man, I, did I not, get you in trouble every time. <laughs> no, that second segment, that's on me because I did not know that I was going to take me so long to get get to my point of the article. Like it took me a long time to 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 set it all up. I didn't think it would take that long, so I apologize to the listeners if you if you felt like that was kind of drawn out a little bit. I felt like it was needed to get a full understanding of everything. Hal, thank you for coming on, man. You guys can check out Hal at Hal Bridius or at Hal Vids while he's currently suspended for his his his, 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 his crazy talk you guys can also go check out his podcast the busted header podcast again he does all kinds of clip threads on twitter during the piston games he does a great job breaking down film breaking down guys i it's he, he's a great follow go check him out if you haven't already and make sure you also go check out his podcast at the busted header podcast uh thank you guys for listening to today's episode of the lockdown pistons podcast again I'm, I apologize for the inconvenience with the time thing, but as long as the Pistons are on this Western road trip, it's going to be like this. Starting Monday, we'll get back to the normal schedule. But still, despite all that, you guys still show me support. I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. Make sure you go check out the YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button. It's the best way to support the podcast. Make Lockdown Bets your second listen of every single day, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all your platforms. Again, thank you guys for listening today, man. Have fun watching the Pistons. Who are they playing today? How is it the Spurs on Friday? You're asking the wrong person. I just show up. (laughs) (laughs) I, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's the Spurs they're playing. We can check right here real quick. Actually, let let me stop assuming. Uh, I've said the Spurs like five times. So if it's not the Spurs, I'm gonna be very, very annoyed. Oh, it's the Jazz. It's the Jazz. Utah. It's the Jazz. (laughs) There you go. It's the Jazz. Enjoy the game against the Jazz. I'll catch you guys then. Peace out, everybody. Go Pistons. Stay safe. I'll see you guys later.